Anthony Doe is a great guy. On short notice, he said yes, the timing worked out, he had some spare time. And in the last three years, he has not had a lot of that. There's so many times when I've asked him questions on like which video editor he uses or like I've seen if he could help me out with different projects and like more often than not, number one, he gives me a chance. Number two, he always answers me. Number three, he's just a good guy. So it is an honor and a pleasure to share with you the great things that he's been up to and a lot of things that are important to him. And yeah, I think it's worth listening to. So I think if you give this a listen, you should share it. Enjoy. Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase Season 2. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. I'm your host, Chris Little. Let's get started. The Lifestyle Chase is brought to you by Yeg Fitness. Yeg Fitness is Edmonton, Alberta, Canada's healthy lifestyle community, creating and supporting active living for all. Check them out online at yegfitness.ca and on social media at yegfitness. So cool. welcome to episode 75 of the Lifestyle Chase. I'm joined by the one and only Anthony Doe. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm awesome. I just got off a call. I got uh, interviewed for an article that's coming out in a month or so. So that's kind of a cool, cool thing to have happen in the afternoon. That's very exciting. I'm excited to be on the show. Well, thanks for joining me. And tell me where you are calling me from, because some of our listeners might not have an idea of that. Uh, I am currently calling from Iceland, which is where I am based right now. That is freaking sweet. So what brings you to Iceland? Uh, I currently have a client that lives out here. He's Icelandic. His name is Hafthor Bjornsson, more popularly known as the Mountain from Game of Thrones and World's Strongest Man. What are your three favorite things about being in Iceland right now? Um, my three favorite things is it's just an endless amount of uh, adventure around here. I mean, like there's within the city limit, there's probably like like 20 waterfalls you could just go look at and stuff like that. Um, so there's a lot of nature to explore. The second thing is that I live in a hotel, which is kind of unconventional, unorthodox, but it's really sweet. It's a, I'm not really used to this sort of lifestyle. So, um, it's nice to kind of have like a base again. I kind of gave up a base about three years ago. So it's nice to have my own space where I can sprawl all my gear out. And third thing is, um, I'm really liking the food here. I, uh, I like their cuisine over here and I really like their coffee over here. That's awesome. So it's, I've really enjoyed watching your career build and build and build because I, I remember when I used to be a spin instructor at True Ride, I reached out to you because I was like, man, his videos are dope. Like I need some help with like hype on the spin classes. <laughs> and like, you. I remember that. Your, your response was, was super gracious with it. Like you're one of the most humble people that I've encountered and I liked that you've always had like this grassroots approach, always looking to help wherever it was something that you could do. But now you're, you're reaping the rewards of, of all your hard work. A lot of people are going to look at where you are now and think it was easy, but we both know it wasn't. What are like three things that kind of made you think, man, do I really want to do videos anymore? Like what are, what are three stumbling blocks that you had to overcome getting to this point? 
That's a really good question. Three obstacles that I had to overcome is, um, well, my mindset for a lot of things in life are, is a little backwards. So in order to kind of go where I want, I kind of work backwards from the big picture. So I knew setting out on what I wanted to do, there was like going to be a lot of sacrifices of little things. I mean, I say little things, but I think to a lot of people, they could be very big blocks in their life. Like, I mean, I gave up having a routine. I gave up my place, my cars, material, material goods. I gave up comfort and all these things like sleeping in your own bed every night and all these things. So, uh, I would say a big thing is that I just gave up a normal lifestyle, which I mean, uh, that's, it doesn't feel so weird anymore, but when I first started, it was, it was strange not to have like your own room or like, your own bed or more than like five pairs of clothes, you know what I mean? So that's a pretty strange thing to uh, overcome. Uh, the second thing is, um, I think uh, from the outside, it, I think it would seem quite lonely going on this journey where uh, you dive into your pursuits in life like full on. So like, uh, I think a lot of people would think it might be lonely going on Go, uh, attacking that head on by yourself. But I mean, I don't think in the three years I've been on the road, living on the road, uh, I've um, really felt lonely at all. If anything, I've just felt so overwhelmed that it's like I, I crave solitude. So um, it's a constant battle with uh, being extroverted, introverted for the, what I do. And um, I would say the third thing that is difficult is uh, I'm a really, I'm really hard on myself. I mean, just that whole spiel you just did on myself, that was really humbling to hear. Thank you. And like, I, <laughs> I, uh, when you don't have any other voices or influences around you sometimes, or you, at least when you shut them out, uh, all you hear is your own voice and I'm a really hard critique. So it's really hard to be satisfied with what I do. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a horrible thing. So just to be locked in your, uh, your own company with uh, a voice that's basically telling you uh, you can do better, you can do more, you can work harder. It's a uh, it can be challenging sometimes. And I'd imagine you've had to kind of figure out ways to get through that. Like if somebody else was in your shoes, say maybe it's like a year ago, and they're yeah. trying to overcome their voice. What advice would you have for them? Um, I think a big thing is a. Uh, really understanding what your self-talk looks like i mean one i think people a lot of shut out the, their self-talk you know that that conversation that dialogue that happens in your head sometimes it can be really negative and scary sometimes it can be uh your own demise but i think once you kind of are self-aware that if if it's positive or negative you start from there but um if you're in a place where you, you're able to listen to your self-talk um i would say that I would say, man, I, 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 I struggle with this because I used to come from a place where I used to tell myself terrible things and I had the worst perspective on my own like life and my ambitions and dreams and stuff like that. But now it's the thing that very shift is kind of what uh, unfolded a, a few things for me and opened some doors. So, uh, I would say just keep challenging yourself. I would um, every time you get a, um, you start to feel comfortable or you start to feel like a, like um, things are starting to kind of plateau a little bit. I think I would 
urge people to investigate that sometimes. It's good to kind of slow down and definitely soak in your accomplishments and be proud of yourself. That's definitely the right thing to do. But I think sometimes I think we all fall complacent and uh, we don't kind of push ourselves out of that rut. And then and then it just kind of leaves us in a position where we're, we end up questioning ourselves why the progress stopped or slowed down and the momentum left us. So I just urge people to kind of lean into their discomfort that way. I like that. I think that's valuable for anybody doing anything. So I'm curious because I feel like you have something to speak to with it. When is the last time that you felt complacent? Um, that's a really good question. You're asking me that at a very funny time in my life right now. Um, the last time I felt complacent would have to be um, this past week. I mean, uh, you're catching me on like the first or second day kind of back into a different mindset. Uh, I kind of felt complacent like the last seven days for, and and I mean, that kind of sounds soon, but I mean, that's probably the first time in one or two years I've kind of felt this way about my work ethic or myself. Um, It's been, it's been crazy fun and crazy hectic, but like uh, I, I felt like I wasn't challenging myself creatively anymore. I got a little bit comfortable because the clients were coming and like the, the everything was there, right? Is there and here it's all my boxes are being checked. And uh, it kind of pushed me further away from what the core of everything is that I do, which is to grow creatively. And when you kind of get some, I don't know, some things that come in like uh, money or clients or some exposure, you kind of forget to work on the craft that kind of got you all there. So um, I kind of realized that recently in the last week and I kind of just shut out all this uh all the noise and I kind of just got back to the root of why I started and started teaching myself new things I like it when yeah. it comes to like honing your craft uh when you were first starting out what was three things that you would do to get better at what you do um good question um first thing that comes to my mind is that uh with filmmaking this, this is specific to filmmaking, but I imagine you can take this into account for almost any craft that you do. Uh, every project or every um, endeavor you take on within your craft, just take on, just, uh, just try to apply one new concept every single time, whether it's small or big. My mindset for, specifically from filmmaking is that um, with every video, I will learn something new for it, whether it's just a coloring technique or uh, an editing t- a method or a storytelling factor or just like something different. I'll throw in a voiceover. I'll throw in slow motion, no slow motion. I'll color it black and white. I'll do something completely different video to video. And that guarantees you progress, whether it's, I mean, even if it's an awful thing. And I mean, I look back all the time now and I, I literally can't watch any work that I make five days after I make it. So it's just trying to keep pushing the 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 needle forward a little bit so that's one thing the second thing i would say is to uh find uh, a tight-knit circle around you that you trust to critique your own work somebody that some people some people or somebody that you respect somebody that you look up to uh, whether you know them or not i mean we have social media at our hands now so it's not too far-fetched to maybe reach out to somebody that is um, a lot uh, higher down, I mean, lot, uh, further down the road than you are to ask them for feedback or to just chat with them. I've been lucky enough to kind of have those people mentor me along the way. And that's kind of why my mindset is to pay, 
forward whenever I can because people definitely helped me when I was just annoying and kicking down doors basically. So um, the third thing I would say is uh, the most important time to go after or put in work is the moments when you don't feel like it. I yeah. think especially when it, especially when it comes to creativity, I know people can resonate with like fitness and uh, studies and stuff like that. But I mean, creatively, it's just so easy not to do it. And it's I imagine it's just the same thing with going to work out. It's just like it's the same mentality as walking into the gym, right? That's like 95% of it just get there. So with me, it's just like just boot up the software, just turn on the camera, just uh, just something. Um, and th I mean, I mean, like the the first step is basic. Like, I don't think I've ever started my software, turned on my camera, and then just shut it off immediately. It's always got me to exactly the mindset I needed to. I just needed to go do it. So, yeah. That's a good answer. So I'm curious what your core values are. If you could list off like four or five core values, what would they be? It's a good question. Um, I would say off the top of my head, uh... I, it needs to be a value to me is that uh, I really value integrity and I really value like operating the right way, whether it's in business or not. I think I, it, through building a creative business, I've learned that um, if you don't operate with integrity, whether you're creating or talking to people or trying to network, nothing will, nothing will come your way. And if it does, it doesn't last. It's just uh, it's just the way it goes. I've seen it time and time again with myself and other people around me. It's just like, uh, I mean, I don't really want to throw the, those cliches, but it's just like it's what you put out there and it's what you get back. So um, integrity for sure. Uh, lately, this year, 2019, has been a year about uh, sustainability. I like, I've like i been working with nonprofits. I've been working with companies that or uh, products and uh, companies that kind of help uh find alternatives and ways to kind of preserve the planet and stuff like that. And trust me, coming from Alberta, I'm like the least eco aware person ever. Like, I mean, we're not raised near the ocean. We don't know what's going on. And like, I just had my head under a rock, but like getting to see a little bit of the world and being fortunate enough to kind of go here and there, I kind of seen it with my own eyes and it's pretty gross to see how the world's being treated. And uh, there's little things that we can do about it. So, so value, that's developed as a result of this year. It's a, uh, I definitely want to work towards uh, sustainability. Um, another one off the top of my head, uh, man, a word that comes to mind immediately is just kind of like intention. I mean, I don't know if that's a value, but that's kind of the, the core of everything that drives me and what I do. I mean, if there's no meaning behind it, there's no point in doing it to me. Like I'm very black and white. I'm very intense about that. Uh, down to every little thing in my life. I mean, I'm a, I'm a textbook minimalist, so if there's no meaning in my life or there's no meaning to this cup in front of me, I mean, it's in the garbage in five seconds. So it's just the way I go. I think uh, people, I think we forget to put intention into our endeavors today because it's easy to get distracted and it's easy just to numb things and just find the next source of stimulation. So when you kind of figure out what your intent is, you will find your motivation to do whatever it is that you want to do. That's awesome. Those are, yeah, those are the big three ones I would say off the top of my head right now. That works for me. So my next question is in the year 2019, it was a pretty big, pretty adventurous year for you. 
What is one day when you felt the most full of joy? Um, yeah, there's that's tough. Um, uh, I at no point in this podcast what podcast want to come off any form of boastful at all. So I just want to phrase my words carefully. I've been very lucky to have a lot of moments this year that have just been surreal. Um, it was probably two months ago when I had the opportunity to uh meet ed sheeran on my own merit and uh got to go meet him backstage at a show in iceland and there was just so many different things that fell into place for that to happen but that i mean me being a fan of ed sheeran's one thing but how it came to be was another and none of it would have been possible had i not kind of put all these little stepping stones in, along the way for the last three years and it's crazy to have maybe i mean it's such a bold statement to say i I earned it, but like, I mean, I just, uh, if I did, if I didn't do what I did today, I definitely wouldn't have that opportunity because there's just no way I should have been in that room at all. But yeah, that's, that's probably a moment this year that I would, I'm just so grateful for. It was super cool to watch that too. Just like knowing how hard you've worked and like, you're again, humble. You're, like, you're not even going to pump <laughs> your own you. tires, but it's like, <laughs> I mean, you put out so much material i can only imagine the hours that went into each because like i video edit not nearly as good as you but i put in the work i understand how time consuming it is and how many times you have to like do things over how many things can go wrong with the computer like it is yeah. it can be very soul crushing and you put in yeah. the work and you reap the rewards um so i'm curious who are three people that you really look up to in the world three people do i have to know them it could be people that you just saw on social media. It could be anybody, but you have to really look up to them like over a long period of time, not just like flavor of the week, look up to them, but like, yeah. like over okay. the course of like 10 years. Okay. Um, okay. My first answer, I should preface this by saying I grew up playing basketball my entire life. I li it's, I, uh, it's a very big part of my life, even though I still don't play anymore or I don't play as often as I'd like, but, um, I didn't really grow up in the era of Michael Jordan, so Kobe Bryant's my guy. And uh, just uh, seeing what he's done inside the game of basketball and outside the game of basketball, hearing him speak, uh, seeing um, the film he's put out, the books he's put out, the podcasts he's put out, how he treats his family, his um, teammates. I mean, it's funny when you see some of these viral videos of Kobe Bryant where it's just like, wow, he's a jerk in practice. Like, who wants to be around that? But like, I look at that and I totally get it. You know what I mean? Like I want to be in that crosshair. I want to be in that fire because that's when you know you're in company that cares. There's intent there. There's meaning behind what he does. And I mean, like what you see is just focus and some intensity <laughs> and some passion. But like, that's somebody I've always looked up to because I mean, you, everyone's heard the stories, right? Like I don't need to bring up all the stories of Kobe Bryant, but like, I mean, he's known to be the first one in the gym and the last one out. He's the one that puts up the most shots and the work that nobody talks about or hears about. So Kobe Bryant, as long as I can remember, I remember when he wore number eight when I was a kid and uh, that's my number and he scored 81 points with that game against Toronto Raptors. Watch that whole game. So Kobe Bryant. Um, this is uh, the second one is a little bit contrasted to that one. It's, uh, it's going to be a little bit cheesy, but it's my mom. My mom has a pretty intense story. Um, she's just like this little Vietnamese woman that, uh, has conquered 
all so much in her life and she came from nothing i mean she came from old vietnam and uh she came over to canada during the vietnam war where i mean horrible things were going on during that time and uh i mean she could have been killed and robbed numerous times when they were on their boat for months in the ocean and stuff like that she came here she had nothing to her name she built she uh when she got out of her marriage with uh, my father, she was left with nothing, less than nothing. She was left with a ton of debt. And uh, it was just me and her against the world for many years. And she scraped like so many things together. She, like she is the most uh, quick wit person I know in business. Like she was able to kind of build the empire for herself, get us out of the hole, build us a home, get us a car, put food on the table and show me how business is properly done with good ethics, treating people the proper way and retiring in 13 years after having nothing for so many years. So growing up watching that was pretty amazing. And I didn't realize that as a child, I was very oblivious to it. I was the worst kid ever. So obviously it was just making her life a lot harder when it was all going on. But I look back now and I'm just like amazed at what she's done with her life. Um, Third one, oh, there's so many. I mean, uh, I think I'm going to choose one creative on this one just because uh, it's in the field of work I do. But I wouldn't have a job today or I wouldn't be doing what I'd be doing if uh, it wasn't for a guy named Peter McKinnon on YouTube. Are you aware of that? You, yeah, you, yeah, I know him. Guy's brilliant. Yeah so, yeah, so I remember watching his YouTube channel and he had maybe 80,000 subscribers and uh, – that wasn't even that long ago. That was maybe less than two month, two years ago. He, he's grown, grown rapidly on the platform. And now he has uh, 4 million as of today. And uh, I remember watching his first video. And he was just some YouTuber at the time to me. But um, it, the first video I watched of him, it inspired me tremendously. I, I was just getting into video. I had hardly done anything. But he was kind of doing tutorials. And then as his channel grew, my passion grew. I watch it avidly. And... Uh, and then uh, it got to a point where there was a video on his channel that promoted uh, his friend, Jesse Driftwood. And uh, that's when I saw Jesse's content and I reached out to Jesse and we ended up doing a job together. And uh, now I can call Jesse a friend today, but because of Jesse and Peter and what they do on, uh, they're from, they're Canadians too. They're from Toronto. So what they do over on the East coast is just incredible. I look up to them for creativity. I look at, up to them on, all different forms of uh, filmmaking and photography so those are i would say those are my three influences today those are great and like never feel bad for giving your mom a shout out like <laughs> <laughs> that's right man <laughs> i mean it, it I is i don't give her enough credit <laughs> everybody on this podcast just about like pays some kind of a tribute to their parents in some way shape or form it might not be in like the question where i'm asking who they look up to but like there, there's always something that parents do for kids and like sometimes yeah. we get older and we we sort of take it for granted but then we realize it and then we carry on that legacy forward which i think is really really cool it's quite brilliant i always say that i would never be able to raise myself like i was just the most spoiled and entitled brat and i just i mean every time i see my mom now i'm just like amazed she got through those years with me because i was just like a hell of a child <laughs> So what did you learn when you played basketball? Tell me like a lesson that basketball taught you. Man, this is going to be a, a reverse answer. This is a, I'm going to tell you what 
I learned as a result of not doing it well. So, I mean, I was a good player, don't get me wrong, but like uh, I was just the worst type of athlete. I was uncoachable, I was stubborn, I was hard-headed, I had a temper, um, and I was constantly the underdog. I mean, I, I, I come from a small country town and uh, I'm where I'm like a minority and I'm fairly undersized against the people around me, my peers and stuff like that. So I always had to learn how to play faster and smarter, which I did. But um, as a result, I had like just a ton of insecurities and a lot of anger and rage inside of me. And man, I just, uh, I remember my coaches would just hate me because like we would be in practice and they'd tell me to do sprints. And I would just say, no, even though I knew I was the fastest kid on the team and I could out sprint everybody, I just wouldn't, I would just walk during sprints because he was telling me what to do. I, I didn't answer to authority very well. And um, I wanted, to, I was like the Allen Iverson of my team. Like I just like, it's me and it's my way and that's how I'm going to do it because I can score and I can do it without anybody's help. So just the worst mindset, like just the not a team player at all. So what I learned is that um, I didn't play well with others and that's not a perk. That's not a good thing, a, con a pro. So um, what I take away from that now is that like I've, I've learned to, see that as a problem and I've grown that area in my life as well as a I'm a I learned about myself that I'm very technical I found a lot of pride and I put a lot of time into technique and drills on my own time even well yeah my coaches wouldn't be able to get me to do anything but like I remember I put in the hours myself like I love dribbling uh, drills and shooting drills and stuff like that and I would do it meticulously even at home or through winter. I remember I play basketball outside during winter just to get shots up and stuff like that. I, I, I love technique and I love just uh, fine tuning things. And uh, I guess one more thing I learned from basketball is that um, I, I, uh, I am, I'm competitive to a fault, I suppose. I don't know if that's still a good thing or a bad thing today, but I know how to channel into a more healthy mindset today, but uh, I remember just the, going back to what we just talked about, the self-talk that I used to have on like basketball. It was horrible. It was so unhealthy and it was so, it was just, I was just beaten better myself, uh, beat myself up. And um, I just, and I didn't grow from it. It wasn't constructive criticism. I was just bullying myself. So, but I learned from there uh, many years of basketball is that um, I learned how to talk to myself properly to grow as like an athlete. That's a good answer. So I'm curious because you talked about being an extroverted introvert. Did I get that right? <laughs> uh, pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So like, what does that mean for you? How do you, because that usually means you require some sense of solitude and a bit of a recharge. Is that how it is for you? Uh, yeah, I think to some extent, everybody needs a little bit of a recharge, but for me, it's it's been I mean we talk about it lightly now but it's been an intense journey to kind of learn all this stuff about myself. I'm obsessed with the MBTI, the personality test. Do you know that one? Yep. Yeah. So um, I don't know if anyone out there listening knows like what the MBTI is, but I'm a I'm a INFJ, which is a very intense personality type. But it's kind of disguised as like an extrovert because I for many years of my life I thought I was extroverted. I thought that. I remember through the parties and through all the basketball years, I just wanted to be like the life of the party. I wanted to please everybody. I wanted to just be everywhere and doing anything and everything. And 
and then it's so weird to see myself now where it's just like I crave solitude I crave having silence time to myself um, doing little things that I love to do to kind of get all my ducks in a row mentally and stuff like that so I describe myself as a uh, what is it a quiet extrovert so I'll mind my own business and I'll, I'll be invisible in the streets but if you talk to me you won't be able to shut me up so um, I would say that uh, I would I, but uh, I should also add that like I kind of adapt to social settings in a way where for example if um, we're in a group of four there's four of us and uh, it, I organize the hangout like um, maybe not everyone there knows each other very well or um, it was just my initiative to bring people together, I will be extremely extroverted because I feel like I need to play that role. I need to lead the charge. I need to start the conversations and introduce people and get the jokes going and just set the atmosphere. But if I know everyone's super comfortable and we've been friends as, as all this um, time and stuff like that, I will just keep to myself. I'm pretty quiet. I have, I'm just with, um, I'm just like a self-kept and I mean, like I'm still, decent company I think but like I just don't feel like they need to speak first and stuff like that so <laughs> that's kind of how I describe it it's a, a little bit of an enigma but yeah that works so given like your average day we'll, we'll declare this an average day because it's a bit quieter <laughs> so like yeah. you, you have that opportunity to make choices you're not kind of stuck doing what you have to do what is your Sorry. routine like like what what when do you wake up what do you do yeah right um yeah you would be asking me during the most uh, odd time of my year or maybe three years uh, so since I'm in Iceland and I'm here on uh, half Thor's behalf um, I basically just try to let him lead the charge but he's not around this week he's in Dubai for world's ultimate strongman currently so I kind of have like the week off that's why it's kind of a little bit different this week so what I would usually do is I would uh, get up in the morning and um, I would, I'm a hundred years old, so I boil water for tea. And uh, I'll, um, after I have a cup of tea, I'll um, get dressed and I'll just walk down the street here and I'll go to the corner coffee shop and I'll get my usual grilled panini. And I will say hi to the same cashier every morning and uh, she'll bring me up a latte and uh, I'll sit there and read my book or do a crossword while I drink my coffee and eat my food. And then um, I take, I really take my time doing that. It like, it should take 15 minutes, but it takes like an hour and a half just to get in and out of that coffee shop. And then um, I'll come back and I'll start uh, opening up my emails and stuff, seeing if I need to do anything business wise. And then um, this is where it kind of varies every day. I mean, from noon onward, um, I could be at the gym with a uh, half Thor seeing if he wants to film or do anything that's about the same that's about the time of the day he trains about 12 to 1 p.m so if anything's going to happen that day it's going to happen in that window so um i usually head to his gym around that time but since he's not around this week uh i've had the luxury of being able to just um work on my laptop and edit on other projects i always have something to work on but um i mean a couple of days before uh about maybe last week um i would just i was road tripping so uh, Iceland's amazing, as I said, so it's small. I just get my car and I can drive an hour away and just go find something new and different and amazing each time. So uh, it does, you don't have to go too far or work too hard to go find something uh, completely remote. So sometimes I'll go do that, but I'll usually uh, 
end my days with dinner or off um i'll ask people like i've i've made some friends here so i'll go ask people if they want to go get dinner or go see a movie or something too just try to mix it up because i know if i don't put an effort to kind of uh be social it's super easy for me to just get into the rabbit hole of editing because i love it so much it's not a chore for me i think a lot of creatives hate editing but it's like it's like a i get into a trance i love it it's it's where my world becomes alive i get to bring my imagination to life so um it's important for me to just like hit pause and like go outside and see sunlight for a little bit <laughs> i totally get yeah. that like when i'm yeah. cranking out podcasts like i'll i'll finish recording a podcast and within three hours i'll have it edited i'll have wow. like a soundbite created I'll have yeah. like the custom cover art done up. It's just like putting the lifestyle chase on somebody's picture. All that stuff is done. It's posted. Wow. It's ready to go. But yeah. it's like, I get it. I understand that trance thing. And I understand like the, the kind of like reward in working on that kind of stuff. Yeah. And... How, how are you at um shelving things, hitting the pause button? Like, do you need to get it all done all at once? Or are you able to like break it up and do it in pieces and do moderation? Oh, like if, if I was struggling on an edit on a podcast, I would have to like work through the entire thing before I could let it go. Like I can't just put it to the side and then revisit it. It's just, yeah. 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 That's, that's you and me too. But my, I mean, some of my edits go for like 16, 18 hours. So it's like, it can get pretty intense. Like, I mean, I I remember days where I would have no distractions and I would sit for like 14 hours straight in the same chair in the same posture and then i would just like come out of like i would snap out of it and be like whoa i'm starving and like i'm so thirsty i haven't blinked i need to go like go to the bathroom i need to like shower but like that's just how i go like when i get into that world it's like it's amazing to me i love i love editing yeah well i mean like every so often i'll do a summary of all the episodes so the last time i did that i think it was like episode like 68 or something so it was episode 1 to 68 and i took uh four seconds out of every episode to put it into like a five minute compilation wow that took like 10 hours (laughs) dude editing audio takes forever i barely do it for my videos with half thor but like it takes ages like i have to edit q a's and it's just like that would be like doing what you do every day it's so tough to re-listen to like 30 minutes audio segment over and over yeah like it's just yeah so i'm curious like how did things start up with you and half thor uh tinder you know no i'm just <laughs> uh, uh, so it was um it was actually instagram that's where most of my business comes i treat my profile like a business i i don't treat it like a personal account at all contrary to some people's beliefs just because like um it's important for me to say it's a business account because that adds intention and it doesn't give me any gray area to like maybe scroll extra hours or go out of my way to or it allows me to know what to post because i mean if you don't know if you're a business or personal account you start posting some weird things and then the business people don't want to see that personal stuff and the you know i mean like it's just it gets messy so um when i was sending out proposals on instagram which isn't very often i've been very lucky these uh the past few months to not go seek out work and I haven't had to market for like about a year but uh, I remember I was I don't know I was in the rabbit hole of the internet and I think I was on reddit maybe and I saw probably one of those viral photos of Hathor and his wife I don't know if you've seen those photos but 
I mean, when they post a photo, it just like crushes the internet because he's six foot nine, yeah. 440 pounds, yeah. 200 kilos. And she's five foot two and 110 pounds, like 52 kilos. And it's just like, when you see that their husband and wife, you just see like all these comments and stuff. So I saw that photo. I don't really indulge in that like comment section of stuff, but like, um, I think I saw that photo and it kind of got me thinking. I was just like, I think I know this guy. Cause like, I don't follow strong man. And I, uh, I don't really want to admit this on your podcast, but I don't watch game of Thrones, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I kind of knew who he was just through, I don't know how I knew what he was, but next thing you know, I'm on his Wikipedia page. And um, uh, I remember reading under his personal section of the Wikipedia page that he used to have a dog named Asterix, which is a little Pomeranian, which is hilarious, by the way, a man that big owning a Pomeranian. But um, I remember it said that his dog uh, Asterix had an Instagram page and it said on Wikipedia that he managed that page personally. So it kind of got me thinking. I was like, any guy that manages his own dog's Instagram, there's a good chance that he manages his own Instagram. Because when you kind of get to that level of fame, uh, you kind of, uh, you're more prone to getting a, an agent or a social media manager. People do it for you, right? So I was just like, if he handles his own social media, uh, there's a good chance he might reply. So next thing I do is I hop onto YouTube and I search him up. And he's not on any talk shows, which is so weird. He's not on Jimmy Fallon. He's not on Jimmy Kimmel. He's not on Conan. And I was just like, this is strange. Like, he's world's strongest man. He's been on Game of Thrones. He's made a name for himself. And I mean, like, his aesthetic is like, you can't miss it. So I was just like, that's so strange that he's not been on a talk show. So I kind of saw, I kind of put a lot of random things together and connected some dots. And I kind of went out on a limb and thought that if he chose to be, living in Iceland with all the things he's done in his life, he's probably like a pretty self-kept guy. He's probably like a little bit of an introvert. Maybe he likes his family and doesn't want to live in Hollywood and stuff like that. So I was like, I think I'm going to DM him, but I have no idea what I'm going to say. I don't even know if what we would even do to make a video. I just, I just feel like I'm going to message him and go from there. So uh, I would usually do a whole spiel when I send out a proposal. I, I do like two or three paragraphs, introduce myself and tell them what, what I do, what I can do for them. But I was just like, this guy's a no nonsense guy. I'm going to just put money down now that he's just like a cut to the point kind of guy. So I DM him and I say, Hey, let's make a video. That's it. That's the whole, the whole statement. I didn't tell whom I was, what I did, what I've done, <laughs> anything. I just said, Hey, let's make a video. He responds the next day and he says, yeah, man, let's do it. That's all he says. <laughs> and I remember I was at a like a family reunion and I was just like, whoa, the mountain just responded to me. And uh, and um, I mean, the next interaction, the next few interactions were pretty spot on. Like they were funny. Uh, I was like, all right, uh, how do you want to do this? And he's like, well, um, I'm looking for someone full time right now, actually. And I think if he would have said that to any anybody else in my position, they would have been like, "Yes, I want to do full time. Sign me up right now." But I have a really thing, a really good thing going. I have I have my company and it's going well, and I have a lot of creative freedom, and it's everything that I've hoped for and more. So I don't really want to give that up to just one client. You know what I mean? I don't want to be employed by somebody. So 
uh, I was very skeptical. So I was very honest with them. I think a lot of people would have lied in that position and just said whatever they needed to say to progress it. But I told them, uh, I'm not looking to do full time with anybody right now, but I am open to it, the idea if it's a really good fit, like if we get along really well. So uh, how about we do one video and um, we'll go from there. And he's like, perfect. I'll fly out for 10 days. And this was this whole conversation happened real quick, like within 48 hours. So next thing you know, the mountain has screenshotted me my flight that he's booked me to Iceland for 10 days. And I left in two days after he DM me, like after we started talking. So like two days later, I was on a plane and I was gone. And uh, I got to Iceland and I mean, the rest was history, I guess. This is my third time back in the last three months. And the trips have progressively gotten longer and longer. And now I don't even know what life would be like without him and his family and his friends. Like, I mean, I go over there for dinners and I have coffees with his parents and I love his sisters and I don't know. So yeah, it's just crazy how life works sometimes. That's a good story. I was like hoping that you would have DM'd his dog's account. Just been like, Hey, dog. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah, that was my, that was my uh, plan B. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I was like, waiting for that oh and the dog had less followers but he manages the dog's account so i went and said yeah. what's up to the dog <laughs> <laughs> no man so what are four lessons that hathor has taught you in your work with him just oh, like man. as a human for sure uh one thing just pops like straight out of my head uh, when you asked that uh patience this guy like he he's 30 years old will be 31 next month i think a lot of people are shocked to find out that's his age but um it's pretty amazing because he's been training as a strong man for 10 years which is just wild because i don't know if people understand what goes into training for strong men but to train for 10 years at that level and to be the best for that long man his body's taken a beating over the years so he knows how to be patient at his craft, which is something he had to probably learn the hard way through some injuries and some hardships. But like, when we talk about it now, because I've had the, a lot of time to, um, a lot of opportunities to spend quality time with him. And uh, he knows how to listen to his body, he knows when to rest, when to push himself. Um, he knows that like, just because other people put pressure on him, maybe there's competitors putting pressure on him, brands putting uh, or competitions putting pressure on him. He knows when to step up and when to back down, which is a massive thing. It's the make or break thing, to, I think, to greatness personally, like knowing knowing what battles to pick and stuff like that. So just uh, picking his brain about patience was a big one. The next thing is um, he's a family man. So like uh, he has a 10-year-old daughter. He has his uh Thor's power gym which he like employs his uh, mom and dad and his sisters and a few other relatives like his grandpa and stuff like that and he has some friends that pers uh, do personal training there but like it doesn't feel like a gym it doesn't feel like you're walking into like an LA fitness or something like that it feels like you're walking into the living room of a man's house like it's so fun to hang out there like people just go out there to hang out on the couch and to talk. And like, even though it's the biggest people in the world there and the strongest people in the world there, it doesn't feel like that. It's not intimidating. I mean, like I am like the smallest person in the gym and like I had at no point during my um, time there, do I ever feel like there's like a, like a pissing contest or like they need to just flex their ego or anything like that. So um, 
I I love that uh, his family values are strong and he puts his family first. So um, every time he's with his family, I am kind of just in awe that uh, like that he hasn't been distracted with everything that's come his way. Like he's been able to stay true to what keeps him to that's given him a lot of successes as well. So and then the other one is um oh man he's uh he's really good at uh keeping kelsey and like the people around him kelsey's his wife like the people around him he keeps them young and what i mean by that is like he's a prankster he he knows how to laugh i love that because he's constantly just messing with people and just getting them out of my skin out of their skin you know what i mean like i know with me uh i'm not like uptight or crazy or anything like that but i'm also like not a silly goofball so like i know i think he probably read that a little bit and like he's always trying to find opportunities to mess with me and to just kind of lighten the mood and just to add some comic relief i remember the very first trip i came to iceland that first 10 days i came uh i was i wasn't really too nervous but i didn't know what to expect i was just adjusting to the dynamics and stuff like that and i met his family and they wanted to take me to ikea for dinner which sounds hilarious it's the most scandinavian sentence you could ever say but like, um, so his mom, his dad, his two sisters, their husbands and their kids, Hathor and Kelsey and I all walk into Ikea. And as the sliding doors open in Ikea, there's like this showcase in the middle right before the escalator. And there's um, a yellow punch buggy there. And Hathor turns to me and slugs me in the shoulder. And, <laughs> and he says, uh, <laughs> punch buggy, no return. <laughs> and I was like, Hafthor, you just fractured my shoulder. You can't punch me. You're like 20 times my size, man. Like, and he's just, he's just killing himself. And I was just like, it's that kind of like childlike outlook on life that just, uh, he brings so much joy into every room that he comes. So that's something I really admire. I think that people take themselves too seriously. So he's kind of got a good head on his shoulders. That's awesome. I like that. So yeah. my next question for you is, You've worked with a lot of brands. You've said yes to a lot of brands. You've had a lot of rewarding experiences, but I'd imagine along the road, you've had to say no to a brand. And I'm curious as to, of all the brands, and we're talking about like a large scale operation where you had to say no because it just didn't align with your values. Yeah. Does it have to be values? It could be anything that you or want. schedule. Or schedule scheduling. values, anything, anything that just didn't match up and it just didn't happen. Yeah, a few things come to mind, but I think, uh, for the sake of keeping it simple, the story I would choose is um, my first big client was Aston Martin, and uh, I got in 2017, I got to be the first person to film the new Vanquish S model, and I was the first one to create content of that car in the entire world and they were unveiling it in new zealand and they had the cco come and the ceo come and it was a big deal because those people had never come to iceland before so it was crazy because i hadn't developed my company or my skill set at that time so i was filming on a terrible camera i didn't know what i was doing i was so out of my depth that event went well they called me back six months later for an event called aston martin on ice which was on top of a mountain on new zealand where they took eight of their cars drifting on top of a glacier and they brought in their clients on a helicopter and it was just like an insane James Bondish week. And then that went well too. So I have a pretty good relationship with the marketing director from Aston Martin. And um, I remember when they called me back for the third event and they're 
And if you look through any of my portfolio of work, there is no third video of Aston Martin because I had to turn them down. There's a conflict of schedule and they were inviting me to go to the Australian Grand Prix to film the event. And they were going to fly me in and they were unveiling two brand new cars to the lineup. And Aston Martin had a collaboration with Red Bull that year where they made a race car that was just, that just blew the world's mind. And I had to turn them down because I had booked a wedding the year prior on the same date. And I think a lot of people would call me crazy to kind of follow through up on that wedding, even though like, I mean, when Aston Martin knocks on, a, on your door, there's, they're probably not used to hearing no. So yeah. I, remember, I remember telling, I was just straight up with the marketing director, Sarah. I was just like, sorry, Sarah, like as much as I would love to give my left arm to be there, I promised these two people that I would film their wedding day. And uh, it's, that's just what I'm gonna do. So I appreciate the opportunity, but I will have to decline. That's crazy. So yeah. do you still have like, do they still reach out to you? Yeah, uh, a few more scenarios <coughs> like that has happened with Aston Martin, just because um, my company started in New Zealand. So they, they, they probably thought I was more of like a local there and stuff like that. So um, they, they kept reaching out and stuff like that. And I do have a good relationship with them. It's just like, as things have just ramped up exponentially since 2016, 2017 till today, uh, I've just, like, they're such a last minute um, company. I mean, they kind of have that luxury being the conglomerate they are, the juggernaut in the market they are. They can bring up anybody and everyone's at their beck and call, right? So um, they don't really give me like a six month notice or anything. They'll be like, hey, we need you in six days in this country, like now. (laughs) And I'll be like, I can't. So I've had to turn them down a couple of times, but that's okay because um, my mindset with business kind of accounts for that today. I had to learn that the hard way. The first time I had to turn them down for the Grand Prix, I was just, oh, that was a really tough one that killed me. But like I learned that every time a job comes into my desk now, I basically have to scale it against the biggest opportunity in my life, knowing that if the biggest lottery ticket comes uh, my way, I'd be willing to turn that down for this client that I'm about to take. So I need to be conscious of that all the time because when you first start a business, you'll take, you'll say yes to anything and you should. But like, uh, I learned through that, that, um, when you say yes to other things, you give up opportunity somewhere else. So, yeah. So wise. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. (laughs) So I assume you have like, having gone to the wedding and done all those things, you have no regrets. Am I correct? Correct. That's awesome. And like that plays into your character. Like it's, it's something that I value in you as a human being. Like when I see you working on a project, like you, you did some work for champs and you did some work for the ride for Loma and just so many of these things with people that I care about. And then you're showcasing them in one of the coolest ways ever. So <laughs> thank you. Super, super cool. So I have a question yep. that I ask all of my guests and it's the same yep. question every time. And it's if you could give one piece of advice on how to live your life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? Um, I think that piece of advice for me and all my experience that I've had in the creative industry as a person through everything that's happened, um, I can confidently say that if you walk into every room 
um, with the mindset that you are maybe the least knowledgeable or um, that you have something to learn from anybody and everybody, um, I think a lot of good things will happen. I mean, I think so many times that we all we all have a life experience or we learn some things, we get a degree, we land that big client and it kind of goes straight to our head. We think we know everything and we, we're in a position to just preach to the world and inspire people and all these things, but, and it, which is all good, right? That's, that's how, that's just how the world works. But I find that when I walk into a room and I ground myself and it doesn't matter who I talk to, whether it's the bartender in the room or a server or a guy wearing a $10,000 suit, I just want to know something. I just want to hear their story and I want to learn something. And I think when you put in that, when you put yourself in that position, you'd be surprised with who you meet and what kind of impression you leave because that's exactly how I landed Aston Martin. That's, I didn't know who I was talking to. I was talking to this lady about her kids for like 45 minutes. And uh, at the end of the conversation, uh, she asked if I had a card and she ended up being the marketing director for Aston Martin. So, wow. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah. in the last seven days, what is the happiest you've felt and why? Um, that's a great question. Uh, that would have to be, that would have to be, um, today because, uh, yes, I'm, I think it was last night. So I was, uh, messaging with one of Hathor's sisters and his, um, sisters. And, uh, I was inquiring up to her what their parents' favorite, like drink or dessert was because. I love his parents so much. They've just like, they're so sweet. Like half Thor's dad named, uh, half Thor's dad, uh, Bjorn and uh, his mom, uh, Regna. like they Thor, I mean, Bjorn will come out of his, go out of his way at the gym. Like if I walk through the front door and he's at the top level in the furthest corner, he will run all the way down just to shake my hand every single morning. Like he's just like a gentleman. Right. And her, his mom is just like the most loving woman ever. So every time I see them, like, I just, have like I'm just in a better mood after that so I wanted to do something nice for them surprise them and as much as I would love to give them the world I just wanted to do something of like a quick gesture just because I didn't know what my time would be like today so I was talking to this uh Thor's sister and I was just like what can I get your parents that like they would like and she was like they love this coffee drink from a co Icelandic coffee shop around here and uh if you go there and order this drink and bring it to them they'll probably uh love you forever so naturally, I wake up and I have a pep in my step this morning and I was just like, oh, I'm so excited. And uh, I go to the coffee shop. I order three because I wanted one for myself to taste what all the buzz is about. So I got a, I got three, ordered them, brought them to the gym. And uh, yeah, just kind of doing little things that just put uh, like a smile on people's faces like that when they don't expect it. I think that just gives me a high. That's just better than anything in life. I like it. And I think that's something that more people should do more of. Like feeling good comes from helping other people. That is what it comes down to. When you're able to empower others, it's sort of like a selfish thing. But you're exactly. helping others. So like there it's a great thing to do. Yeah, it's very true. I wish I had learned that many years earlier in my life. That's kind of something I lean back onto now where I don't generally encounter too many bad moods these days, but as soon as I feel one coming on, I will like be quick to like go do something nice for somebody. So, I mean, my, my building manager here where I live at this hotel, um, I've become uh, very close with her. Her name's Lilia. And uh, 
every time I feel like I'm getting stressed or like just getting like bogged down with work, I'm just, I have to run to the coffee shop, buy her a cappuccino and bring it to her. Cause it just like, <laughs> she's, she's had like 20 cappuccinos since I've lived in this building. So it's just like, I just want to, it, uh, giving is a really, really good way to kind of just uh, hit the reset button and just make someone else's day. I mean, it's very hard to do something nice for somebody and not feel like better after, you know what I mean? So true. And with yeah. that, it pretty much wraps us up for, for our episode. So I'd like to thank you again for joining me on, on such short notice. I, I should say Dude. like, <laughs> that's how I operate, man. That's just, I, I like to uh, go with the flow. So I really appreciate being on the show. It was super fun. Perfect. All right. Well, we will catch you next time. Cool. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening. A little update on the podcast ranking. So last I checked, I was ranked number 13 in Canada for fitness podcasts. And I owe that all to you guys. Every listen counts. If somebody sits down and downloads 20 episodes of the Lifestyle Chase, that's huge. Not only does that mean quite a bit to me, but it makes a huge impact on the exposure that the Lifestyle Chase gets and the amount of credibility that I get when I ask somebody if they have time to come on my podcast. Because some people, time is like the greatest resource that we have. And some people only have so much of it. So when somebody is willing to share that time with me, not only is that something, some value that I take, but it's that that is why I podcast. I get so much from every conversation that I have, no matter where people are from, how old they are, what they do for work. Everybody has something to teach me, and I take pride in sharing that on here. So thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the next one.